0: Hi, I'm Kamu. I'm an entrepreneur and BCom Honours Investment Management graduate.
1: And I'm Darren, a CFA chart holder and a newsletter writer. And
0: you're listening to the Upstart VC Podcast.
1: A podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs about the things they're building and to investors about the entrepreneurs they're
0: backing. Welcome to another episode of the Upstart VC Podcast. Before we dive into this week's discussion, we'd like to request that you follow us on Substack by subscribing, You get access to all the research notes we compile of the guests we interview, and a whole lot more. And if you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. With that said, today on the show we have Grace Lichordi, Director and Country Manager of a Silicon Valley headquartered VC slash Startup Business Development and Corporate Innovation Platform, Plug and Play Tech. As always, the first segment of our show is an elevator pitch, but this time we find out what diversity means to Grace.
2: So, what diversity means to me is really uh, living in a world where decisions. Are made and collaborations are made and partnerships are done. Um, considering the full spectrum of the rainbow nation that we find ourselves in, um, especially as South Africans with the, you know, the structural history um, that we have, um, is seeing a world where whether you are black, white, indian asian um you know every single culture but uh, ensuring that they all have an opportunity to have a seat at the table in every value chain um, of our society in south africa
1: you have arrived at your destination
0: grace's experience in startups spans over the following geographies south africa new york and silicon valley Prior to her current role, she gained diverse investment banking experience in capital markets, Southside equity research, mergers and acquisitions, structured equity financing, and gender lens impact investing. This experience was gained over 10 years, the last five years of which were spent at Goldman Sachs International, based in New York and Johannesburg. Next, we sit down with her to unpack her background, the value of mentorship, her role at Plug and Play, diversity riders and term sheets. And finally, what she would do with $100,000.
1: I think for me as well, uh, uh, diversity, if I, I was actually just thinking as well, what diversity would mean to me is, it's the access to opportunity, um, which based on the color of your skin or your gender, mm. sometimes that's that's not even the truth. So you you don't get yeah. access to a particular opportunity because you are female or because you're white or because you're black.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So I guess... Um, Maybe on that, um, if you can explain to us or, or, or share with us what your background has been like um, in terms of your family background. So I think that's, that's also important. And we spoke about it with Fuyani, um, who was previously on the podcast. And uh, I think it's important to, to every individual to understand their background because that uh, creates a lens of how you perceive the world around you um so for myself uh i come from a single parent home uh, and i don't have any brothers and sisters uh, so that obviously changes the way that i perceive interactions um Mm. sisters and and people around me um but also it changes how i react to certain things so yeah i think it would be helpful if we could know some of your personal background that would be quite cool if you could share with us
2: Sure, no problem. So yeah, so I'm born and bred South African myself. Um, I was born uh, uh, at the, t- uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's called Limpopo province uh, today. Uh, when I was born, it was called uh, the northern province.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and I come from a township uh, called Levua Homu. Uh, that's where I was born uh, born and brought up. Um, My um, mom and dad. um, Yeah, so I'm a last born uh, with three older brothers um, with a mom and dad where my dad is a teacher. And my mom is a social worker. And they grew up in, you know, the height of what I would say is apartheid, effectively, um, you know, having been born in the 1940s. And yeah. um, so, yeah, so I, I wouldn't, I definitely do, you know, consider myself as, you know, I, I, I don't come from a wealthy family at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I come from a family that, you know, just sacrificed like your mom to, you know, give you the best opportunities with, with, with all that she had. Um, so I can completely relate to that. Right. um So I think that my this is when I'm very grateful to my parents who uh, sacrificed quite a bit to ensure that I went to the best schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess as I was, you know, coming of as I was growing up, it was when you know the world was starting to open up a little bit. Um, so it was like 1992 was when I sort of started, you know, like my first first grade. Um, so that yeah, so I went to what would have been traditionally. Um, only uh, white people allowed at those schools, um, and so I guess that's where um, and, you know I was. You we know, are quite grateful that I was allowed to go into those schools and and make the the, the most of it. Yeah. Um, uh, primary school. My parents took me to a private school. Um, But high school, um, my parents were very intentional to take me to a public school um, so that I could see both sides of the coin. So they were quite intentional about ensuring that I wasn't in a bubble my whole life. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I must admit that really like added to my EQ of, you know, understanding like different LSMs and et cetera, because Mm. as you can imagine during private school, um, I'm, you know, surrounded by the haves um, while I considered myself a have not. Um, um and seeing how they live and then you go to a public school and you mingle a lot more with the have-nots as well the people that you know have you know more more of my experiences so it felt a little bit more like home yeah. <laughs> at the public school than it did at the private school mm-hmm. um and then um I had very good I had a very, I, you know harnished a relationship with a, a a teacher uh in high school um that effectively said look uh you're you're a bright girl. Um, you know, you, you know, you see, you know, you're doing so well in all your grades. And um, so a girl like you, you know, make sure that you like try study to be a, an accountant an actuary or a doctor or a lawyer, you know, sort of back then it was, you know, make sure you try have a profession or a qualification. Um, So it was through, she was the one that sort of, you know, like in, you know, like basically opened my eyes to there is a commerce world out there. And that's what made me um, start to be inquisitive about, you know, businesses, mergers and acquisitions, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I think that really had an impact on my career trajectory, um, and then went on to University of Cape Town. Um, or that sort of. She again, uh, uh, my guidance teacher told me, you know, in South Africa, the best school she rated was UCT. You did some research and you realize either UCT, Vets, so or University of Pretoria or UJ. Um, so then that's when I chose UCT, um, and that's what really made me, like like open my eyes to the rest of the world. Then as a result, because. You get exposed to exchange students, uh, and there's internships that have overseas opportunities, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, that's a little bit about my background and how I came to, to, to being
1: awesome and um interestingly interestingly my mom is also a social worker so um
2: ah, nice yeah i think it was also probably the generation where our parents were only allowed to be like teachers yes. nurses social workers they couldn't be my <laughs> be much else
0: this this, this is crazy because my mom was actually is also a social worker while she
2: started
0: oh out of- wow <laughs> <laughs> the traffic. <laughs>
2: uh, nice. yeah, that's
0: very
1: interesting. Um, and um, just a just an interesting question. Uh, in terms of the the uh, your university career, did you manage to get a scholarship, or how did you? Because yeah. you work quite hard and the sacrifice. Yes. The private, yes.
2: yes. 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 Yes, a great question, because actually that's a missing link that I didn't include there. Um, So, yeah, so I went, you know, uh, I actually went back to my mom and dad and I said, hey, I want to go to UCT. They were like, "Mm, my child, (laughs) Uh, we won't be able to afford that. Um, And they were like, it's too far. Uh, But then I struck a deal with them that if I managed to get a scholarship, they would allow me to go to Cape Town. And so I worked very hard, especially grade 11, because grade 11 is like that year that they use your marks for your conditional acceptance. Mm -hmm. So I worked my ass off to ensure that I got the best grades. Um, And um, also worked again with my guidance teacher um, who, you know, had access to different like scholarships. And at the time, the the hottest ones were like the De scholarship, the Mm -hmm. Oppenheimer scholarship. There was also something called CareerWise, um, which helped um, sort of Black disadvantaged um, uh, pupils to get scholarships. Um, and I, yeah, so I, yeah, so I applied to this this career-wise, you know, having had the um, exposure that this thing does exist from my guidance teacher, and I applied, um, and then that's when I ended up getting a Gallagher scholarship. So yes, um, I, my effectively, I my my scholarship took me through my academics over the four years at UCT. Correct.
1: And and do you think it would have been easy for you to accept get accepted to university if your your guidance counselor or your teacher didn't play such a, an active role in that.
2: absolutely absolutely i think i think it would have been very very difficult and i think that's where i realized very very early on that life is about um like working hard like takes you to a certain level but at the end of the day it's all about relationships and also a strike of luck of the type of people that you come across in your life. So yeah, to your point, had I not met, had I not had the kind of, you know, really invested guidance teacher that I did, uh, I'm not too sure that I would have had the same path, (laughs) safe to say, but, you know, but at the end of the day I did work hard. Um, Every little, you know, little hand that I got, I really just made sure that I made the most of it and, 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 and made sure that I maximized on the potential of that opportunity.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's that's probably um, part, part of the difficulty that society that we face um, in South Africa, if you are somebody that doesn't come from a wealthy family and maybe mm. you don't necessarily have a, a really strong mentor or somebody mm. at school is going to guide you and help you. Mm. Um, yeah. I think for me... I didn't really have a, a teacher, but I, I guess my mom did that in terms of like helping me to make a decision in terms of what it is that I wanted to, uh, to study and so on. I actually, in, in the questions that I sent you, um, I actually made a reference to, to not knowing and having access to people connected into the financial services industry at the time, because like my mom is a social worker, like I said, yeah, so I, yeah. when I was in grade 11 or grade 10. Um, I tried to get an internship during the holidays to intern with Coronation. And I called them from the public. <laughs> this kind of shows my age. <laughs> I called them from the public phone at our school. <laughs> <laughs> and um uh, yeah, and uh, to, to to organize a, an internship for myself and I wasn't able to obviously get it because I didn't know anybody at, at the company and uh, you kind of obviously needed to have somebody on the inside who could arrange that for you and not just call from a public phone to the reception desk. Um, yeah, so I think it is it is quite difficult if you don't necessarily know somebody on the inside and it's obviously harder if you maybe don't come from an, uh, a wealthier background that you maybe have family members that have a, that sort of access. Um, so I think just in terms of uh, from my side and, and I think Kama as well, uh, that's kind of what we're trying to, to encourage as well through the podcast and through the newsletter and through various other means is um, to be open access so that people that are looking for information can find that. And I think that's also... Um, an important thing is, is sort of being uh, open to, to people reaching out to you. And that's kind of how Kamo and myself meet there as well.
0: Yeah. yeah, if I can just hop in here, Darren. Um, I think, like, in my eyes, there's absolutely no way you can credit your success without paying homage to relationships. So for me personally, everything good that's ever happened has always been able... I've always been able to link it back to a first, second or third degree connection of some sort. So a person has always been that initial source. And I found it to be like one of the most powerful um, yeah. and important um, levers in my life, right? Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, this is, this is a really good point that you that you raised that, um, you know, you need relationship currency, but at the back end of that, you also need performance currency. So you have to honour the opportunities, honour the spaces that these you know um guides put you through so that um you're not only going off of the strength of the relationship but you also back it up with um your performance as well
2: 100 100 agreed
0: yeah i think this is a good segue to just um going to some of the uh questions are, around your career right <laughs> uh which is very long and illustrious by the way
1: <laughs> um <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, so you're currently at, at, at Plug & Play. Uh, can you just tell us uh, about what Plug & Play is and you know, your, your role that you're currently in?
2: Sure. Um, so Plug & Play is a Silicon Valley headquartered um, venture capital company startup business development uh, accelerator platform. um, And thirdly, a corporate innovation uh, services offering uh, company. Uh, And it was founded in 2006 um, by a founder uh, by the name of Saeed Amidi, um, who is uh, uh, basically a US immigrant himself, um, Iranian by birth, uh, went to, uh, moved to the U.S. on uh, school um, and effectively how he found himself, you know, building businesses and, and going for the basically American dream as it were uh, is um, he was part of a wealthy family in Iran uh, when during the revolution in the 1970s, uh, they, uh, yeah, he effectively got a call while at school um, that, you know, you can't come back to Iran. We're going to move all our family Uh, and move as much of our assets as we can, but we need to start a new life in America. And so, you know, like hats off to this guy. Then he went and started, um, you know, a a rugs company. So selling Persian rugs. Um, uh, Then two, he also had a bottling company and a plastics company. And with these businesses, with these three businesses that he was basically hustling and growing, uh, he found himself acquiring warehouses for cheap at the time um, along, like, sort of Silicon Valley. And in the height of the 2000s, um, when this sort of, you know, the startup ecosystem was really brewing properly uh, in Silicon Valley, uh, he found that, you know, there were, you know, there were tech people that. Wanted uh, office space for those that couldn't use their mom's back garage to start their startup, um, and he really then what we call today co-working space. Uh, that's how uh, he started, you know, getting to know startups, and and he likes to speak of how you know the founders of Google, um, even Elon Musk and his brother, uh, you know, lendable, Lend- like you know, um, uh, Dropbox, uh, PayPal, like all those guys. Um, started in his started in his um eco, in his sort of um half, uh, sort of a warehouse, um, and he, he even likes to tell the story because especially with uh, Elon Musk being South African, that um, where the business model came about is the likes of your Elon Musk and his brother ran out of money, uh, and instead of telling them, instead of evicting them out of the warehouse, he said it's fine, but for every rent that you miss that is equity into your business. So that was the first thing. And then secondly, businesses that he would like, even if they could afford rent, he would take that rent money and put it back into their business to help them. And that would be equity into his business. So, you know, like no guesses as to, you know, when the likes of, uh, you know, Google, Lendable, PayPal, like exited, Um, how so that that's how he made the bedrock of his investment holding in terms of vc so the vc today small we invest small check sizes into early stage investments um, and we don't take board seats we really it's an ethos of and we invest a small check size minority stake um, and we really believe we want to be part of that catalyst to sort of help you grow to the next level and then how the startup business development accelerator portion came about um, was he, you know, found himself with the three side businesses he had, um, you know, having friends and playing golf uh, with, you know, C-suite executives of Fortune 500 companies. And so he started to say to them, you know, instead of going for a dop after, uh, after, after, after golf, come to my warehouse and see what these kids are doing um, because also these startups, these young guys were also saying to Saeed, you know, we just need introductions to some of these corporates that we can pilot uh, our, our, our innovations and see if they actually work in a B2B environment. So that's how then, you know, today the Startup Business Development Accelerator is It's a lot of workshops, you know, mentoring, you know, doing focus weeks, et cetera, helping startups with their business development strategy um, and using the corporates that we have in our network which leads me to the third bucket of defining what corporate innovation is and um, this is as helping corporates innovate um, using a plug and play approach of plugging in a startup into your organization and seeing whether it can either one uh, generate help you gen- generate more revenue do things more efficiently um, or even sort of uh, cut costs um, and we're it's almost like we don't really call ourselves consultants but it's we feel like it's it's a nice sort of turnkey solution to see whether um, we can help corporates innovate Um, and so um, what you know got me excited or um, was as South African knowing that our economy is driven by you know corporate you know we're highly institutionalized um, and you know dare I say titanics but like you know slow big moving ships. Um, and I just really believe that if these corporates don't innovate and if, you know, they don't work more with startups and innovations, um, I feel like they will, they will effectively die. Um, so that was my main motivation of, um, you know, being the country manager and helping Plug and Play to expand um, its operations into South Africa. So we have over 35 uh, offices across the world. Uh, and we uh, basically we uh, physically uh, started launching plans to be in South Africa starting uh, March um, of, of last year.
0: That's great. Um, yeah, Saeed sounds <laughs> sounds amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I just need to get a workshop somewhere and then.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted to tug on 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 the, on the ventures side uh, of the business, right? Um, mm. So I've seen a new term. So you you mentioned in 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 the in the piece now that um you don't take board seats right and and Mm -hmm. and for listeners that's that's one of the terms that is typically found in a term sheet right and a term Mm -hmm. sheet is basically a document that um investors will then give to startups um Mm -hmm. basically detailing um each of their terms uh that's that's attached to the investment right so Mm With that said, I've seen a new term that's been thrown around in the ecosystem that seeks to address diversity, right? And it's the idea of adding diversity riders in term sheets that that are submitted to these startups. So it's done to, well, it's an effort to diversify the cap table and expand access to investors who have historically been excluded, right? Mm -hmm. So those so for those listeners who aren't familiar, um, the diversity rider basically says in order to advance diversity efforts in the VC industry, the company and the lead investor will make commercial best efforts to offer and make every attempt to include as a co-investor in the financing at least one black or other underrepresented group, including but not limited to women, LGBTQ plus um, individuals into the deal. And to allocate a minimum percentage of shares or um, random amount of the total rand um, for such co-investor, right? So mm-hmm. I'm just curious to know if you've seen that being adopted in the industry, and if not, you know, what are some of the roadblocks um, you, you 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 see in, in the industry in, in the adoption of of that uh, diversity rider?
2: Yeah, so I think the diversity rider is a great um, sort of meeting of halfway of exactly that. Um, you know, it's, you know, we live in a relationship plus, you know, uh, performance uh, performance world in that the reality is um, as much as we, you know, when we talk about diversity, what sometimes people real, sometimes don't really have a full appreciation of is when we sometimes say there's discrimination, um, it's sometimes people just being in their bubbles, and you know, you know, being in their being in their bubbles of relationships, which sometimes then are mainly white, mainly black, mainly rich, um, you know. Um, and I think what this rider effectively then aims to do is it makes a concerted effort um, of you know people that are, you know of relationships ending up being in a closed knit circle, uh, forces them to go. Out of their comfort zone, of circles of people they know, be it first, second, third, um, you know, a connection of network, um, to really go and seek out uh, the ecosystem that they ordinarily would have not had exposed to in their everyday, in in, in, the, in the in the in the basically course of every day. Um, uh, dealings. Um, And so I I honestly think that it's a great initiative. Um, I have not seen it be mainstream yet. Um, So I would love to see Um, how they can make this as equitable, as diverse as possible, because also what you don't want uh, is a scenario where like, you know, BEE and affirmative action, it, you know, its intentions were good, but then in the end, it only went to the minority, uh, I'd say black few that are actually not that disadvantaged.
1: Yeah. So I, I would agree with the last term as well. Um, that it's. A, I think it's. A, if implemented correctly, and if certain groups that are already well connected, because mm-hmm. of whatever reason, and because of their well connectedness, then allows them to benefit from these diversity riders. Then obviously, then then it's not so great because yeah, not equal opportunity to everybody. It's only
2: absolutely
1: more opportunity to a certain. A smaller percentage
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: but how would you do that though i, su- I suppose it's a kind of a loaded question
2: <laughs> yeah i think it's and like i think it's almost like having i don't know how to like a pseudo rfp out do you know like i just i'm using rfp because i've just i've just yeah been involved in an rfp process but i think what i'm trying to say is like when a um, when when we know that a certain startup is raising, right, um, and there is an anchor investor, uh, and the anchor investor is like a big VC, you know, well-known VC, um, I think even though I get it, VC, you're on the private side, um, but it's in some shape or form making it known that we have this investment round, Um Uh, yeah we have this investment round we're looking for co-investors diversity investors and we are intentionally asking for uh, you know uh, expressions of interest um, from particularly black investors or disadvantaged investors like that's the only like doing almost like a a call out for that I feel like that's honestly the only way because every other way it's all relationship dependent and there'll always be some sort of bias depending on the networks of that VCE. Mm. So yes, you know, yes, you know, we're not stopping them from, you know, and from, yeah, from, from, you know, finding their own diversity candidates through their own relationships. But I think it's really making that call so that they can start to meet people that they ordinarily would not meet. That's honestly just one way that I can think of. It's not perfect, but I think that's like a nice top-down way. And then a bottom-up way is, that's the only thing I, I feel like there aren't, there isn't like a, there not like a bmf for vc you know but like if there was a way to know who are the black vcs like to have like a a, a directory of you know black vcs or high net worth individuals um it's ensuring that uh, or maybe safka maybe has something like that but going to a, like a safka body and saying we're yeah. doing this process we're looking for diverse fund managers um you know please could you make sure that they know that we're doing this and, and let them express interest if they have funds available to do that to invest
0: it's a good
1: idea actually yeah i, I know somebody yeah, at, there at um absip so maybe they can also have a, a vc yeah mm-hmm.
2: that's oh, it ABSIP. yeah
0: yeah go for to come yeah so so grace absolutely i'm just gonna switch gears a little bit in the interest of of time cool um so yeah, so I think, you know, now we have a, a grounding of what your background was and your career and everything else, right? Mm. And I think the next step now is to kind of determine and establish uh, what what advice you'd give. So a if you could picture in your mind uh, a girl similar to yourself um, from your hometown um, starting their career, uh, you know. Right out of varsity, what advice would you you give to them? Because I think with diversity, there's just so many aspects to it. You know, there's there's the gender, there's the race, there's all these yeah. things, right? But yeah. for a young African black woman, a lot of those odds are are stacked against. So, yeah, you know, what what advice would you give to someone like that?
2: Yeah, so I would my advice to young black females um, from a disadvantaged community is. Never lose your sense of wonder. Never lose your sense of curiosity. I think that's first and foremost. Um, in that, it doesn't matter, especially in the world that we're living, it's such a connected world that we're living in today. Um, be curious to find out things that you that you ordinarily wouldn't know. Um, yes, I agree. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know, but you give out. You'll get back from the universe what you put out. So if you ask questions, ask why. You know, challenge the status quo. Um, that's first and foremost. Secondly, um, like work hard, you know, like put in put in the graft. Um, I find that if you, you know, that's where um, luck meets preparation um, uh, in that as you work hard, as you remain curious, um, don't be shy to you know, you know, know, linked in or DM that person that you so so admire or would like to speak to. And if they don't respond, don't get disheartened, Uh, you know, just keep going, keep going and never take it personally. If somebody doesn't respond back to you, Um, you never know what other people are going through. Some people are also going through their struggles. So that's the third thing of don't ever stop being kind. You know, like uh, I always like to say, kill people with kindness, even if you don't get kindness back. Yeah, so it's the most basic things. And I think as part of being kind, is, you know, again, and also part of, um, you know, giving, you know, you'll get back what you give out, you know, always like give out positivity. I give out, like, be a likable person, you know, be someone. Some people never remember what what you did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Um, So for me, like, if you just have those like key ingredients and also ensuring that you are a person of integrity. Um, and you're a person of your word, you deliver on what you promise or, and you deliver on your word, um, that honest and you're accountable and reliable, uh, y- there's not much else you need. Everything else will flow. I, honestly, I'm a firm believer of that.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. I actually have this thing that I always say that like um, kindness has an unlimited upside, you know, Absolutely. Uh, saying something nice to somebody, uh, you have no idea what the knock-on effects of that is, you know. Uh, provided it come from a, a genuine authentic yeah. place
2: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah so darren uh you want to leave with the last question oh
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: much
0: time <laughs> We can good Grace some more <laughs> 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 the thing is like there's so many threads to like pull on i'm just afraid yeah. that we like, won't be yeah. able to give them um enough justice you know Yeah. Um, there's yeah, so I think it, it may <laughs> and that's the thing with the diversity chat, like there's just so much content. There's so much, agree. We need Agreed. like more conversation. So
2: yeah,
0: yeah.
1: maybe just um to 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 continue or, or build on or at least try to understand or I'm saying lots of ores. Um so basically what, what you're saying, Grace, is kind of have have integrity, but also um be brave as well and, and sort of uh, break out of your comfort zone, out of your box, yeah. Um, yeah. at the same time, uh, continue to have integrity, um, keep to yeah. your word type of um, yeah. work hard type of thing, um, yeah. which, is, which, yeah. is, which is great advice. And I think for me, if I had taken a little bit of that advice, I think when I was in university, maybe things would have turned out a little bit different, but I mean, you live and you learn yeah. and you
2: Absolutely. It's how- never too late. <laughs> I'm a big believer. It's never too late.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so maybe just let's, let's go into the last question, which is completely different to, to our conversation that we've been having. And the question is merely the same thing that we ask everybody on the podcast. And, and that's, yeah, if you had a hundred thousand dollars. What would you invest in? Um,
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, it's that's it's, it's a hard one, um. But if yeah, it's, especially if I'm brave, um, and I would yeah take a big swing, bat swing into a startup that I am really passionate about, um, that I think would you know really make an impact, um, in society as well as be profitable, um, and I think. As it pertains, yeah, as it pertains to sort of the African or South African continent, um, either it's anything that has to do with either healthcare um, and or I'd say logistics and, uh, and sort of an agriculture. So I'd say those would be sort of the three uh, places where I would like to look for what I deem to be a, something really, really special. Um, you know, being done by a special group of people. Um, and I would, put, I would literally put all my bets in there. So that's the one element. Or the other element speaks to my thesis of, I do believe that um, not all startups can be unicorns. Um, and so not I do implore on entrepreneurs to not... Always think of the startup in the sense of what is my exit, what is my exit. Sometimes it's okay if it's just a half a million rand or half a million dollar business, and that at least creates two or three more jobs because every little bit counts. And so, on that note, I would probably put it into maybe a VC um, that you know in, has a diversified uh, portfolio. Um, of different assets. This is me being conservative. So so in the notion of not all startups can be VC, I know that I feel like the VC market really does need funding in in our country. So I would put it into a VC um, and, and, and hope that, you know, there'll be some winners, there'll be some losers and then net, net, you know, you will have at least, you know, made an impact in X amount of startups by having your checks check in that fund. Um, and contributing to that, which ultimately will contribute to the bottom line of, you know, getting our economy going and, and creating jobs.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that, that's a, uh, an interesting point. I never actually thought of putting it into a VC. Um, yeah. It's a cool idea, actually, because you also, yeah. you're also spreading that capital around quite quickly. Exactly. Um, exactly. But just one, one curious question is, is that enough money to invest in a VC, $100,000?
2: You'll okay. be surprised. Mm-hmm. You'll be surprised. It actually is. There are, um, yeah. So I looked into it. Um, not that I have one point. Not that I have a hundred. <laughs> not that I have a thousand dollars running around. Just to just to put that disclaimer out there. Um, but yeah, I've been asking. I've been asking some of the VCs, um, especially the ones for like early stage seed. Of if I was, if I, if if, if an individual was to invest in your fund, what is the minimum amount? And I was told in the region of 1.5 million rand is enough.
1: Okay. So that's about, yeah. all right.
2: It's, it's that hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So, sounding- so instead of, so, yeah. So Kamu, instead of going to go buy that next Range Rover Sport, take that 1.5 million and put in a VC, okay. You'll get more returns. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Don't I'll take know. the advice.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the the Range Rover sounds nice,
2: though. <laughs> of course it does. It's not gonna get you back. It's not gonna get you back a potential, unicorn of a away where I yeah, think they made I'm, something like hundred and ten times return. You can get plenty I'm more. Buying, range I'm buying, I'm buying a warehouse. You're buying a warehouse. <laughs>
0: that's that's what I'm doing with the hundred thousand.
2: <laughs> buy a warehouse too.
1: Cool. Thanks so much for your time, Grace. I think uh, yes, our time thanks. is about to run out. We we yeah, really yeah. appreciate that you took time out to, to chat with us. Yeah. And I've I will yeah. lot. Of, um,
2: Anytime. Yeah. yeah, I think what you what you guys are doing is great, and I hope it reaches the people that it, that it that it needs to reach, and that yeah, the people that need to hear this message will will really hear it. So yeah, like well done to you guys for for yeah for really doing this over and above your daily jobs. I, I really admire that.